So today's Palm Sunday, and you have on your, uh, on your table, you should, there's some half sheets in the front of you. We're going to read this uh, passage from Palm Sunday. So Palm Sunday is the Sunday that starts off the week that led to Easter, that led to uh, Jesus' death and resurrection. So let me just give you the context here. So Jesus was heading back, so uh, heading back to Judea. Judea is the southern part of Israel. That's where Jerusalem was. He was heading back that way, even though his disciples told him he shouldn't, because they knew the Pharisees were not just didn't like him, he, they knew they wanted to arrest him, and they knew that he possibly wanted to kill him. So Jesus was going back, knowing what he was walking into. Right before this passage, he had, uh, he had done some healings. He had healed Bartimaeus. It was a blind man. You might remember he was like yelled out loud, Jesus, you know, son of David, have mercy on me, and Jesus heals him. Right before this passage, too, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So there was buzz. Jesus was trending on the Internet at that time and social media because he had just kind of done some amazing healings. So he's going back into Jerusalem, and this particular, uh, it's, it's recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to look at Luke. But uh, so the people, the general crowd, all these Jewish people, they would have known those. We started off by reading some of the passages from the Old Testament, from Zechariah and from Psalm, that talked about the Messiah that was to come. So when they were yelling these things, they were yelling, we think you're the one, because they'd heard of these great miracles he had done. All right? And they, the buzz had gone before him. They knew he had raised Lazarus from the dead. All right? So why don't you do this? Why don't you stand up with me? Just, we'll stand up to read the Word of God today. And uh, I'll read it out loud, but I don't want you to just follow along with me. So this is Luke 19, and Jesus had just told them a story. He had told a bunch of different parables. He just told one particular story about uh, um, us being good stewards. But then it says, after telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks... Why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked him, Why are you untying that colt? I mean, just, it's almost a humorous situation. You know, disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he, now, let me stop for a second, too. In those days, ancient culture, if a king came into town, he came on a war horse. And he came on a war horse that was taller than anybody else's war horse. But Jesus is coming in on a donkey. And that was the passage you read from Zechariah, that your king's going to come on a lowly donkey. It wasn't like a sign of power. It was a lowly sign. All right. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Now, when it says all of his followers, there were also a lot of other people because it was Passover in Jerusalem. So there were thousands of extra people in Jerusalem. And they had heard all this buzz about Jesus, all right? Uh, where am I? 38? Yeah. Blessing on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. Other gospels say they also yelled Hosanna, which means Lord, save now. Save us now. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they, keep quiet, if they kept quiet, stones along the road would burst into cheers. Uh, but as his 
he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city, and then he, we'll finish that in a second. Go ahead and sit down. So Jesus had, he was coming down on this donkey. He was choosing to come in on a donkey and on a war horse, but the buzz of his miracles had, had gone before him, and they knew, people had heard about Jesus. They knew he was something unique. They knew he had done some incredible things, and they were like desperately hopeful that he would save them now. Hosanna means Lord save now. And you and I are probably similar in this. Sometimes we want Lord save now, but God's timing is different. But that's, they were wanting that. And you, we all know by how the story ends up a week later, Jesus didn't fit their model of what the Messiah was supposed to be, so they crucified him. Sometimes, like you and I, we, have a way, we, we want Jesus to be a certain thing for us, but he knows uh, the best way for, uh, what, what, for him to be a Messiah, right? So... All this cheering and shouting and noise and things like that. And then uh, verse 41 down below, I I didn't finish it, but I read this uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, and I I never, really never saw this before. So so all this so far is a lot of positive emotion. Cheering, palm branches on the road, people throwing their coats in front of the donkey, praise, you know, they're yelling, and it was loud. It was a lot of noise and celebration positive joyful emotion but verse 41 and i want you to take a pen and you're going to fill in this for me on your paper but as he came close to jerusalem and saw the city he had he three words began to weep right right in began to weep i never noticed that jesus wept at this moment before he began to weep so go to the next slide here now john but as they came closer to jerusalem and jesus saw the city he had he began to weep now There's only one other time in the Bible where Jesus weeps. We're told that. When, when is it? Anybody know? When Lazarus died, all right? Which would have been just a few days before this or, you know, so. So I, I got stuck on this phrase. Like, why was, okay, began to weep, all right? Began to cry. And, and he wasn't just teary-eyed. He, the, the, the term there, he was weeping. Right in the midst of this parade, huge parade, the attorney sees Jerusalem, and he begins to weep. So. I wanted to explore a couple things here. Why do we cry? So here's the topic of why do we cry? All right, go to the next one. Why do people cry? Yeah, all right, so here's what tears are. Tears are moisture from the lacrimal apparatus accompanied by alterations in facial muscles and vocalizations. That's what tears are, right? Um, question, other than human beings, what animals shed tears? Other than human beings, what animals shed tears? Somebody says Dogs. No, not, no other animals. And other animals are sad. No other animals shed tears. All right? Kind of interesting. Trying to figure out what does it tell us about ourselves. All right? On the average, women cry 5.3 times per month. How many times per month do men cry? My wife said about that in a year. All right? On the, this, these are all, for, I, believe it or not, I get all these research articles about crying. Sometimes it's interesting because I, I want to answer the question, why was Jesus crying? All right? Men cry 1.3 times per month. And I, I think that might even count if you're watching a movie and you cry, but you don't want people to know you're crying. Statistics know you're crying, right, or whatever. You know, you see an NCAA basketball game and somebody wins that you're excited about and you get a little teary-eyed, all right? All right, there's three different kinds of tears. I didn't know this. There are emotional tears that you shed when you're watching a, a movie or you're sad about something. There are basal tears. Basal tears are what, when you blink, it's the tears that kind of keep your eyes moist, all right? 
And then there are reflex tears that you cry when you're cutting an onion or when somebody pokes you in the eye. And the chemical nature of those tears is different from emotional tears. I thought it was, I'm, just, I'm just trying, I'm focusing on kind of emotional tears. The big question is, what, what was up with Jesus crying here, all right? In 1600, people thought, uh, one of the scientific studies then in 1600, was that tears were a result of you got emotional, and when you got emotional, it heated up your heart, which created vapor that had to be released. All right? Of course, that's not true, right? In 1960, there was a prominent theory that our tears were because we evolved from aquatic apes that swam in salt water. Therefore, tears were a function of our evolution. All right? Somebody else, this is 1985. Somebody, uh, these are all scientists. They actually asserted that uh, tears simply remove toxins from the blood when you're stressed. But I think we know something else is going on, right? So tears appear when you feel deep emotions, right? I, I can think of, I've cried different times in my life, but there are two times I think of, uh, three times actually are pretty prominent. One, um, you might think this is kind of silly, but maybe it's a guy thing. My last college football game, when the game was over, I cried like a baby. And I hadn't cried probably for most of my life since then. And, but it was, I was crying because something was done. The opportunity was over. And I was sad, right? I remember crying when my dad died at the hospital, in Methodist Hospital in Indianapolis. I remember crying, again, because something, an opportunity is lost, something's over, right? We also cry emotional tears of happiness. You know, when David was born, I remember crying. I mean, all our kids were born, but I remember crying. So tears come from a lot of different places, but they use, we, we know that our tears come from deep emotions, and the feelings behind them are real, and they're, they're not easy to fake. And tears expose us when we're really vulnerable. Nobody, I mean, if you're crying, like when I was crying on the football field or when I was crying when my dad died, and I'm not comparing those two situations, but you don't really want people to see you cry. It's kind of because you feel exposed, you feel vulnerable, the walls are down. But what our tears do tell us is two things. tells us something about who we are and what's important to us. Our tears tell us something about who we are and what's important to us. So now back to the question about, that's why we cry. You know, we cry emotional tears in certain situations. So then the question, why, did, why does Jesus cry here? I mean, he was human. He wasn't faking it. He wasn't faking sadness. Because I actually thought, you know, when I talked about, you know, my crying with football being over, I was crying for me, my sad feelings. Uh, when my dad died, I was crying for me. You know, I remember at the funeral when my family, uh, other cousins and aunts and uncles would come in, and I saw my mom cry. I would cry, but I was crying for her. You know, you know we, our tears come from all kinds of places. But Jesus wasn't just crying for himself. He didn't, sad, he didn't feel sad for He wasn't saying, oh, I feel sad because I'm going to get crucified soon. But why was he crying? What, what, what made him weep at this point? Not... He wasn't faking it. He wasn't just disappointed. He wasn't just sad. He was weeping. So let me go on. Let's go on to say what happens next in the passage, all right? Here's what happens next. Here's what it tells us what Jesus was saying. So, of course, Luke had researched this. He was writing this down. So we just got done with the passage. He began to weep. 
And this is what it says. How I wish today, this is Jesus talking, as he's looking at Jerusalem. The people he knew had been rejecting him. All right. How I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late, and I highlighted this. Peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in on every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. I mean, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm thinking, Jesus, we have this festive parade atmosphere. This is kind of a downer. But this is Jesus, so there's something we have to pay attention to. Tells us what's really important to him. And he says, your enemies, as he looked in Jerusalem, your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because, and I want you to read this, read this yellow part with me, all right? You did not know the time of your visitation. All right, one more time. You did not know the time of your visitation. Other versions say you didn't know the opportunity you had. You missed it. Um, you did not know the time of your visitation. So Jesus is, he's not sad for him. I mean, he's sad. He's not sad for what's going to happen to him. He's sad because people that God loved and God wanted to bring hope and life and joy and peace to through Jesus had rejected that and they didn't even know they didn't know that Jesus was the one they didn't know he was, the Messiah was the one who was visiting them they missed it so in essence this is why Jesus crying I summarize it Jesus, peace is hidden from your eyes because you did not know the time of your visitation so I I mean, I've, you, think, you might think this, Sue, might, or your situation. I've cried for people that I knew were sad. I've cried at sad things. I was telling my wife, I don't know if I've ever cried for somebody who was a rebel. Feeling so overwhelmed with love and compassion for them because of their rebellion against God that it made me cry. It might have made me mad or irritated or sad or disappointed. But it tells us something about Jesus that he was so physically affected by people that were rejecting him and it wasn't a, it wasn't a self it wasn't a all about me thing with jesus but they were rejecting god's provision for their life he was so overwhelmed by that that he wept over those people that were rejecting him and he, and, he, and i love this phrase you didn't know the time of your visitation you missed it the the, the doctor was right there in your home to heal you and you push them away. And Jesus, of course, he's, it's, it's himself. So here's what I want to kind of put out before you. We tend to read this passage, or I can't, when I read it, I thought this, he's, he's, he's crying over the people who have rejected him. And he is, but he's crying specifically over those who didn't know the time of his visitation in their lives. And I wonder how many times you or I have missed the times where Jesus wanted to show up in our lives. And we missed it. And we missed a significant degree of peace because we missed it. For example, I, I may have shared, I know I shared these stories sometime in the past. There was one time I told my wife, um, there's a couple things that I think God wants me to do, but I'm not doing it. And she's like, why? And one of them I said, because I'm afraid. And the other one, I can't remember what my reason was, but both of them were what I would say, they were visitations from God. I feel like God spoke to me. 
and I was not sure if I was going to respond. I wasn't going to take, sure, take advantage of the opportunity of his visitation in my life. And I think in doing so, I would have missed out on peace. Now, I, I followed through on those things. But I'm pretty sure if I look back in my life, and you might be looking back in your life, and there were times where you felt like Jesus wanted you to do something, he visited you, and you missed the opportunity. And I'm not saying that so you feel shame or guilt. I'm saying that because when we miss an opportunity, when Jesus is showing up in our lives, it doesn't make Jesus angry at us. It doesn't merely make him disappointed or irritated us. He's not like, oh, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe that Alan missed it again when I was trying to show him something. It, it makes Jesus incredibly sad. And I don't mean sad in a weak, it's sad in a, in a compassionate way. The, when the Bible talks about in the New Testament, Jesus being moved with compassion, the, the word, and this, it wasn't in this story, but he's often moved with compassion when he sees people who are lost. The word, and it's just, I'm just going to say it, not, not, to, not to be impressive about the Greek language, but the Greek word is splognitzomai. And it's just kind of this fun word to say, but it means he was moved in the core of his intestines with compassion for people. So it's this idea of missing an opportunity for when Jesus shows up, when he visits you, when he says something to you. I mean, there's something right now that I, I, I feel like God said something to me. It's a small thing, but it's something I think God wants me to do, but I keep kind of toying, because it, it'll cost me something. But I'm pretty sure it's Jesus. So am I willing to miss the opportunity for what Jesus says is peace? So just when, I, when you realize why Jesus is crying, yeah, you, you might think um, he is... He weeps over people you and I know that are rejecting him. Yes, he does. But those of us who already have his spirit in us, we can still reject his visitation in our lives. If he's saying to us uh, about something we should start doing or stop doing or say or not say or whatever, or I knew Jesus wanted me to do this, but I just wasn't willing to do it. And are you squandering, I'm asking, I'm asking myself, am I squandering an opportunity for when Jesus has visited me, am I, am I rejecting it? Now, granted, Jesus pronounces these curses onto Jerusalem, you know, things like your enemies are going to build ramparts against your walls, crush you. I mean, that's, that is more for those who have rejected Jesus. But the whole point there is peace will elude you if you do not respond to a visitation of Jesus in your life. And by visitation, I said, I mean something you're pretty sure that he's prompting you to say, do, or not say, not do, or whatever. A an opportunity that you know is coming from the spirit of Jesus. And he says, uh, he's most, he is overwhelmed with compassion and sadness because you are missing out on the peace that he knows you could have by doing it. The thing I'm thinking of is like I said, the thing I think God wants me to do is gonna cost me something so then I think, well, but I can have peace by not, it costing me something. But do I, am I willing to trust that if Jesus has visited me on this issue, that I'm willing to trust that the peace I will get by expending something on my behalf is greater than the peace I'll get if I stay in control. So it tells us something, like I said, 
our tears tell us something about what's important to somebody and what's important to Jesus is that when he shows up and says things in your life and speaks with the authority and compassion that he only he can do in your life are you able are you willing to respond to that or do you brush it off and again there the the recourse for us is not going to be we're not going to be crushed we're not going to be surrounded we're not going to be but we will lose uh, we will have peace hidden from our eyes still christians still have the spirit of jesus in us but when Jesus promises peace to disciples, he says, it's peace the world cannot take away. My guess is most of us say we haven't quite experienced that kind of peace yet. But I think that kind of peace is still a promise of Jesus. But it means every time he visits us, every time he speaks to us, every time he nudges us, every time he reminds us of something that he wants us to do, um, is an opportunity for more peace. We tend to, at least I do, I tend to think if Jesus asked me to do something, it's an opportunity for, it's a situation where I'm going to, like the situation I was talking about earlier when I told Kathy I'm not doing it because I'm afraid. I was, I was more afraid of, but if I do that, it may have negative consequences. If I do that, and the thing I'm thinking God wants me, well, if I do that, it's going to have some negative consequences. We tend to think that way because Jesus always asks us to do things that if, if we think about it, it feels negative to us, but we're, we are called to, to die to ourselves. So, but yet, every time Jesus asks you to do something, it will always lead to more peace in your life, not less. We've been kind of trained with our human minds to think otherwise. Well, I'll, I can't do that. That will be kind of cause me to be anxious. No, but if Jesus is visiting you and telling you to do this, then do it. And again, he's not... He's not angry at you. He's not angry at me when I don't do it. He's not disappointed. He's disappointed, but he's not shaming. He's not going to say, shame on you for not doing this. You know, he's actually deeply saddened to the point of tears because you and I are missing out on a degree of peace and life and joy that only can happen if we respond to when he shows up. So even like the, you know, the passage was a passage in the, Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. And we'll have, in a, we'll have, we'll have, we'll, we'll have friendship together. And there's a sense that there's going to be joy and there's peace. So my, my question for you and my question for me is, is there something that Jesus is knocking on about in your life? Is he, is he visiting you? You may have seen that old painting where Jesus is knocking on a door, and that's the, usually that, that scripture is used to talk about people who aren't Christians yet, but the, the context of Revelation 3 is he's talking to people who are already followers of Jesus. And, and Jesus says, I stand at the door and I'm knocking, and if you hear my voice, open the door, and I'll come in, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll eat with you, we'll have, we'll have friendship, intimacy together, you'll have peace, you'll have joy. He's saying that to people who are followers. Because, again, if Jesus knows that whenever he visits you, he comes to bring peace and joy. And he is deeply, overwhelmingly saddened to the point of tears when we reject that. Not because he feels rejected. Because he knows what we're missing then. So let me have you close your eyes. And uh, I'm just going to ask you, and I, you know, one of the things uh, I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit... Is there some area in my life you're knock, that Jesus is knocking on the door? Is, is, there a, is there a time of visitation? 
It may be a small thing God's asked you to do. It may be a big change that God's asked you to do. But would you take 30 seconds here to the Holy Spirit? Is Jesus visiting me on some issue in my life right now? Jesus, we, we, we know and we believe um, that you have nothing um, but joy and peace as you hope for what shows up in our lives. You're not motivated by guilt. You're not motivated by shaming us. It's, you don't have hurt feelings in that sense. But you are motivated by us having the fullness of joy and peace in our lives that only you can give. And, and Jesus, when there's those times where you visit us and you knock on the door, um, please help us to see it, what that what it, see it for what it is, and that's you giving us an opportunity to respond to you that will lead us into great joy and great peace. So, Father, for each one of us, um, when we think about this day, Palm Sunday. Yes, we, we want to be celebrating you. We want to sing. We want to worship you as the Messiah. But if we're worshiping you and singing, but not responding to the visitation of you knocking on our door, then um, we don't want to be those kind of hypocrites. We want to sing and worship you and adore you and celebrate you as the Messiah, the one who will change the world back and change our hearts back to where it needs to be. But we also want to respond every time you visit us and give us an opportunity to do what you, the Messiah, ask us to do. So we, by your promise, can have the full peace, peace in our marriages, peace in our families, peace in our workplace, peace in our, just peace in our hearts that the world doesn't understand. That's what you said you came to give. You came to give peace that the world can't take away and they don't even understand it. We want to be those kind of people. And so even in this Easter week, would we be the kind of Easter people who have peace because we respond to you when you visit us and we don't squander those opportunities. Um, so Jesus, we ask that. Uh, we ask that in your name. Amen. So uh, Aaron's going to come up here. We're going to sing a few more songs and we do uh, communion every Sunday at Easter. And um, I like to kind of give you something to think about, you know, when you're taking the wafer and the cup and you're taking that into your body, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me every time you eat it. So here's what I want you to remember. I, I want you to remember the passage from Revelation 3 when Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, let me in. So even, even as you're putting this wafer and this juice into you, let it be a response to Jesus saying, I, I, I want to let you into me. So Jesus, there's a way in my life that you're knocking or if there's something that I've ignored, I, I, I want to, can, can we revisit that? Can you come back on that one? All right. So as you take that into you and you remember Jesus, remember uh, that he wants into you. And he wants to visit you and give you opportunities for peace and joy. So Jesus, we're grateful that you uh, gave yourself from this Sunday of Palm Sunday all the way through the week. It was an up and down week and an interesting week for you, but then it's culminated in you 
letting yourself be arrested, letting yourself be tortured, and letting yourself be crucified for us because you loved us so much and you love us so much. And we're grateful that you rose from the dead and now there's the same spirit that gave you life as what's inside of us. So Jesus, we're grateful. We take this bread and this cup into our bodies with gratitude, but also with remembrance that we want to be always responding whenever you visit us and always do what you ask us to do. And we ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.